0: I think in the painting industry, there are, there are companies that don't do selling, they really just do estimating, and they're just kind of an estimate machine, and they're just pumping out bids, um, and I think they're, they're missing opportunity to actually sell and, and move decisions.
1: Welcome to the Painter Growth Podcast, where we help you scale your painting company in record time. Join us as we explore sales, marketing, hiring, finances, leadership, and more. Everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up everybody? Mike Gore Hickman here, founder of Paintergrowth.com, and you're listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. And Today, I have a really exciting uh, guest, well, guest, exciting depending on who you are. If you're not into mergers and acquisitions, selling your painting company one day, then you might not find it exciting, but if you are in- interested in enterprise value and eventually selling your painting company, then uh, my guest today, Hoken Hansen of Olaf Holdings, will, uh, will uh, be just what you're looking for. So uh, what is up, Hoken? Good to have you, man.
0: Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Yeah, so so just for clarity, you ha- you worked with uh, Jason Paris at Paris Painting, basically the OG sales rep outside of ownership, um, and now you are uh, the responsible for business development at um, Olaf Holdings.
0: Yes, sir. Yep. So yeah, I started with uh, with Jason back in twenty uh, halfway through twenty seventeen. Um, so he was uh, starting to to scale, and they needed somebody, and I hopped in there. Um and so been along for the ride of, of Paris's growth and then as Olive has gotten off the ground and uh, been doing other things, have navigated over to that's where I spend my time
1: these days. Amazing. So how did you how did you get into the painting industry to begin with?
0: Yeah, so I uh I have a, a background in accounting and finance. So I worked in corporate finance for a few years and um if anybody knows Jason's story, uh, Chet Funk is a gentleman that he partnered with in 20, at the end of 2016. And, um, and then now you know, uh, J- Jason and Chet are part of Olive and myself um, in there too, but like, so whenever they partnered, I knew Chet. And so uh, as they were starting to scale and grow, they were looking to bring folks onto the team and uh, connected with Chet, connected with Jason. And, um, yeah, jumped on board.
1: So definitely not the traditional path to becoming a painter. Take the business route.
0: No, no, I have like, um, I might, I have some family members who have like a little bit of a blue collar, I mean, like mostly blue collar. Actually, uh, my dad's a heavy equipment operator, my grandpa owned a construction business, so I was around the trades, um, enough to be comfortable with it. But personally, uh, very, very little. Uh, trades specific uh, experience and none really in painting.
1: Cool. So let's fast forward to you becoming the first sales rep for Paris Painting as as you guys were beginning to scale. Um, what was that like and, and what did you learn about the painting industry and about systems in that role?
0: Yeah, I think that um, just I think the importance of process uh, certainly, right? So I I definitely had a big intimidation factor of, you know, if I'm talking to a homeowner, what if they know more about painting than I do? Um, and I think getting in and getting reps understanding it, particularly when it comes to sales. And I think in the painting industry, there, there are companies that don't do selling. They really just do estimating and they're just kind of an estimate machine and they're just pumping out bids. Um, and I think they're, they're missing opportunity to actually sell and and move decisions. But um, I think like seeing that those two things are different uh, and that, you know, if I had a process around sales um, and I knew how to connect with people, I knew how to understand, you know, their motivations and what their goals are and and how are are they making their decision and choosing their painting contractor. uh, That would take me a long way. And it's just kind of a matter of reps of learning, learning the paint stuff. Um, And so uh, that that was really helpful uh, just to learn that and I, I think as as we've done different things within Olive, um, I think I've learned that too. Most things are not super complicated um, if you're able to kind of commit to establishing a process and and, and being consistent um, you can accelerate your learning pretty quickly
1: so what types of what types of processes early on on the sales side of it did you find were helpful in terms of improving your close rate
0: yeah i think one of the big things in our group and um i think coaching so just specific one-on-one coaching uh is is huge within like the olive culture and then that as roots back to the the paris culture um jason and chet and then eventually alex um who's now the olive coo um, came aboard, so I think just having meaningful events where uh, you're analyzing what you're doing, you're having somebody else look at, look over your shoulder and listen to the things that you're saying to a homeowner, watch the process that you're uh, carrying out as you you know go through an appointment, and then giving you feedback. And that's vulnerable, and it can be intimidating, and you get in your head whenever somebody's there, but. That really helps you capture and see things that you otherwise wouldn't Mm -hmm. um and so and and kind of put something down to work on to refine so i think that that commitment to coaching and just making the time for those events
1: uh was huge awesome yeah i mean couldn't agree more with with adding coaching as you know to any business will absolutely propel them let's fast forward a little bit um and just jump right into to enterprise value of painting companies, and what I mean by I mean, I, I'll let you define it. What What do you mean when you use the term enterprise value of a company?
0: Yeah, I mean there is there's layers to valuing a company, right? And I think so. Just to explain, so like today, um, you know, Olive does joint venture partnerships with other painting companies, so. Um, you know, what, what we do is we partner with other painting companies, um, we become equity partners and we do a joint venture. And the goal of that is to help them grow, help them stabilize. Um, and so my role in all of uh, today is on the partnership development side. So I connect with painting companies, um, share with them what we do, uh, what we've done in the past and, and, uh, you know, how we can help companies and then we go through a discovery process to see what are their goals what's the state of the state of their business and is all of a potential option as a strategic partner to help them get there and so through that we go through uh, a a acquisition a transaction Um, and so we look at valuing a painting company so I do this all the time and the reality is there's there's some parts that are simple and there's some parts that are um, not necessarily complicated, but uh, have nuance to it, right? So, um, and I think that for all painting companies, whether they want to, like, whether an immediate exit is uh, is imminent for them, um, I think there's just good sound business that understanding if you own a company, um, you know, top line revenue is not the only thing that you should think about. Uh, and then not even necessarily you know, net income. Obviously, both of those things are, are vital um, and important, but there's other elements that you should really be considering in terms of how you think about your company and what you're paying attention to um, because those are, the, those are things that grow the value of the company that can open up all kinds of doors for you um, down the road or you know, in, in the more immediate time. Uh, so I think it's it's something you know for every business owner to consider, and then obviously for us, we're looking for good partners, um, and so you know these are the things that we look at uh, internally, and then. Um, a good partner every... meaning
1: like a good operator, a good kind of general manager, current founder, you know, CEO, business owner that you can come in, you can purchase a percentage of their company for whatever, say one times earnings, grow it, add systems, and then, and then sell it to someone else later on for like five times earnings.
0: So in our, in our particular case, um, and, and I, there's all kinds of different, um, you know, strategies out there, right? So there's some more traditional private equity is you are coming in, you're purchasing a company, you're trying to grow it, um, And then you know push some some metrics that are meaningful for that industry over the course of a five-year window or something like that and then sell it and, and kind of get a payout in our particular case our strategy is is more of a buy and hold so um and part of that is driven by the industry that we're in which is which is i think something for painting company owners to reckon with that the reality for painting companies is they don't sell for a ton of money so um, this is not a tech industry. This is not a medical device industry, um, where you can get a huge multiple on your income or a huge multiple on your on your revenue. Um, if you go to a business broker, typically, and you know, just like if you go to a real estate agent, you go to five real estate agents, you might get five different uh, prices that you can sell your house for. But generally speaking. Um, you know, a painting company is going to sell from somewhere between two to four times uh, the you know net income, uh, EBITDA earnings before depreciation, you know, interest and in amortization, or seller discretionary earnings is another another term. They mean slightly different things, but um, effectively, for for you know simplicity, you know, two to four times the the average net income uh, of of a business. That's just not it's not huge you know multiple right compared to other industries that can be six six times seven times eight times EBITDA um right and so therefore for us uh selling is not something that we are particular keen on but that being said what's great about painting companies is that they can be very profitable so like from a return on your cash um they're not typically not very cash intensive so it's not like Mm -hmm. you need to go you know get a million dollar loan to to start a painting company or to buy some crazy equipment the equipment is is very inexpensive um you know obviously there's there's some cash that needs to go into to marketing and um, investing in people but but relatively not super cash intensive but they can be quite profitable um and so if you can really scale uh your business and do so in a way that allows you to stabilize that business the painting company can be an excellent source of of passive income
1: so what what would be your criteria that you look at when it comes to um, assessing an opportunity to invest in
0: yeah so this is something that we look at and um, and I'll, I'll note too internally like once we um, you know once we have partners this is something that we're looking at every year. Um, and so there's, there's kind of five core factors that we look at. Um, so, you know, prospective partnerships that we're looking at and, and evaluating and in conversations with, but then also just internally, year to year, we track these, these five elements um, just to make sure that we're, we're growing the value of the equity for the shareholders that we're being successful in, in what we're, we're venturing out to do um and so yeah, i'll just if it sounds good to you i'll just run through here's what those are and, and why yeah. they matter does that sound good yes so so one um just the the org chart so kind of what's the state of the state from a people standpoint and this is where you know i i mentioned a painting company is typically going to sell for somewhere between two to four x of net income well the a good question should be, well, what gets you two, what gets you 2.5, what gets you three, what gets you four. Right. And those, those get into a bit more of kind of qualitative factors um, that really make a company more, more stable and um, more appealing to a buyer. And one of those is the people within the organization. Um, And a big part of that is how many people are there. And what that means is, like, how centralized is, is the value uh, of the business? So, what's very common in, in our industry is you have, uh, there's a lot of owner operators out there. And everybody who starts a business, um, if you know, like, that's inevitable if you start a business for the most part, right? Jason was an owner operator in Paris Painting uh, for a number of years. So, that's kind of a rite of passage. Um, but if that's the position that you're in and you, and you are trying to sell your business one day uh, that's challenging to a buyer because you essentially are the business, right? So in terms of like, what is a buyer buying? Um, Well, they can't buy you as a person. Uh, And so in terms of if you are, you know, there's, there's not really a sales process apart from just your personality or your style. There's not really a, a project management system outside of what's between your ears, right? Like, if to the degree that the business is really wrapped up in an individual, that's challenging. Um, and so, for us, we're we're big traction people at Olive. Uh, so the book Traction by Gina Wickman, um, he you know lays out the entrepreneurial operating system EOS. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's a very boring read. Uh, but that's what makes it so good, uh, is it's like, it's simple, it's actionable. And so we, we look at like the orange chart that he lays out there. Um, you gotta have leadership. So a visionary and an integrator, um, but then every business kind of breaks down into sales and marketing as a function, operations as a function, and then finance or, you know, HR administration as, as a function. Um, and so that's something that we're looking at, uh, and we're assessing to, to prospective partners, but then our current holdings is how are we developing um, diversity of names in those seats? Right. So typically uh, you know, whenever a company's at a million dollars, you know, 1.5 in, in revenue, they're typically, they're the president, uh, CEO, they're the salesperson, they're the project manager, they're doing the payroll, you know Uh, maybe they start to hire Um, some folks like yourself to help with marketing, they start to hire bookkeepers, things like that, but they really sit in in those seats. Um, and so the task is really, how do you, how do you develop people? Uh, so bring, bring talented people in, um, coach them, develop them so that you can have salespeople accomplishing the sales. You can have project managers, you know, handling production and project coordinators, things like that, um. And so that org chart is is a big piece, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, Nick Slavic likes to use this like the turkey truck test. Yeah. Um, right. And so folks have probably heard that before. But if the owner gets hit by the turkey truck, um, you know, does the business carry on, uh, or is the business essentially over? And uh, and we try to get decouple these businesses away from the like so that they can pass that turkey truck test.
1: Yeah. So just, I guess, backing up just a half step, do you have a revenue, like on the quantitative side, do you have a revenue number that you typically like to stay above when it comes to assessing a sale?
0: Um, meaning like from an standpoint? Gross revenue
1: or... of a painting company to make it at least uh, worth looking at.
0: Oh, sure. From art. I think for us, um, we're, we're typically looking at, um, a million to 1.5, um, is kind of the floor, I think mm-hmm. for us. And, and part of the reason for that is, um, I think if you, you survey, uh, the industry, you know, a million to 1.5 in the residential space is typically where the capacity of an individual human breaks down. Um, there are, there are definitely some outliers, um, and some, some uh, studs out there that are doing 2 million bucks and you know, or more that, and they're, they're kind of doing anything. You need
1: a production manager or sales rep.
0: Right. Right. If you're, if you're going to do more than a million or, you know, 1.5 in, in uh, revenue, you can't do it all yourself. You're going to need a salesperson to either do, you know, do the sales so that you can help produce um, through project management or you hire a project manager that can produce the the sales that you're going to get. And so for us, like with all of, and, and how, what we offer help with, we help help scale, build teams, you know, provide that infrastructure for growing um, that starts to be really applicable uh, you know, at that, you know, one and a half uh, million dollar mark.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So going back to the qualitatives, the first one is the org chart, the state of the people, what does the team look like? Um, is it all on the owner or do you ha- do they have an integrator? If, if they're not following EOS, do they have a production manager? Do they have a sales rep? Do they have quality painters? Do they use subs? Yeah. What would be number two on the qualitative list of five?
0: Yeah. Number two would be uh, contribution margin or, or gross profit. Um, and you know, that for us, we define that as revenue minus the cost of labor, the cost of material Um, and then we put project management in there as well. Um, so, you know, what is our, our contribution margin or gross profit after we pay labor, paint, uh, and, and project management. And at the end of the day, like this, this is an important thing to know in real time to be able to track. Um, because this, this really tees up your business for everything else, right? If we, we internally, we have a saying where we say, you know, sales are for show productions for dough. Um, and it's like, you can, it it doesn't matter if you send 10, if you sell $10 million, uh, very unprofitably, it doesn't really matter who cares. Um, -hmm. right. And that's, that's honestly a challenge. A lot of times that folks run into with growing is all right. If I hired a salesperson, um, you know, or I hire a project manager, I got to be able to, Grow through that investment so that I'm profitable on the other side,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and gross profit and, and being really tied into gross profit is where that where that really starts. Um, and so, because that that's really just a it's a temperature check on the efficiency of your production system, right? So, mm-hmm. do you know do you know how to estimate? <clears throat> um, are your is your bidding accurate um, such that you're you're competitive? Um, but you're doing you're bidding it in a way that um, is actually accounting for the, the realities of the labor market, the realities of your material, et cetera. And then when it comes to labor and material, are you managing those things well? Um, right. Are you are you managing your labor to be efficient? <clears throat> are you tracking your material spend so that that's efficient as well? Um, um, and that what percentage do you want to see
1: gross profit at? Uh, less labor material and, and production management.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> we, we shoot for 40, at least 40%. Um, okay. And we like to be above, above that. Um, but at least 40%, again, for us after labor paint material.
1: Right. Okay. And that 40%, so 60% cost, um, that should be enough to pay for the rest of overhead, plus leave some profit left over for a, a holding company. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, and I think or not, investors. not just for, yeah, and not even just for that. I would just say for any any owner, for sure. Um, you know, for the shareholders of a painting business.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> so we got org chart. Say the people got gross profit. Yeah, around forty percent. What would be number three?
0: Well, uh, that would be success ratio, um, and so that's basically um, how many jobs are you selling for the number of bids that you that you provide right? Close rate. Um, close rate. You got it. Yep. Yeah. And obviously this is important. Um, your sales machine has to be efficient. Um, you need to be uh, selling at a good clip. So this one's, this one's pretty straightforward. Um, and this is a, a good balance of, all right, is this a, you know, what type of leads am I getting? Um, you can, you can evaluate all kinds of things through your close rate. Um, that really helps ensure that your, your sales function is, is doing what it needs to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you, do you have any other metrics that you look at other than close rate, like dollars booked per estimate or things like that?
0: Um, so the, the next, the next, uh, pillar here that we look at, uh, ties into this a little bit, um, which is cost on margin. So that, that gets, that gets into another, another factor here, but we'll, we'll definitely look at like average job size, um, you know, things like that, that is going to be somewhat indicative of what, you know, what brand of company that you're trying to build, like what, what, what type of sector are you trying to specialize in? Right. So if you're a residential repaint company, um, that focuses on exterior that's going to kind of dictate what your average job size should be ish right mm-hmm. or if you focus on interior or if you're a commercial person and you niche down in industrial it's like well th- those average job sizes are going to look different it's important to know that um just so that you know that you're being you know you're being competitive but those, those are things that we look at as well
1: okay and what do you mean by cost on margin
0: Yeah. So your cost on margin is, um, so your, your sales function needs to be efficient. So you got, you need to be able to sell well cost on margin is, or your cost on gross profit is you, you need to be able to sell well, but you can't overpay for that, those sales. Right. So for example, like just let's say, um, I would say like in our industry, uh, you know, success ratio, for example, you know, we, we really target 45%. We, we want to coach somebody up to being 45%. And, and I would say too, different companies are going to measure like the, the numerator and denominator might be a little different. Like this is book jobs on, on um, appointments that have been completed and a proposal has been, you know, provided to a client. Right. So for every, every uh, time that you're doing that, we want to see close about 45% of those. Okay. Um, let's say you had a salesperson, uh, like let's say you had a $2 million painting company and you had a salesperson who was closing at 60%. So they're, they're doing very well. That's awesome. But if you're paying that salesperson $300,000 a year, that's not awesome for the company. Right. Cause you're paying too much, you know, for, for that, that service. So cost on margin is, is a component. And so another, another reality is let's say, you know, you have a great salesperson and they have a market rate salary, um, and compensation structure. Um, but you're paying, you know, you're a $2 million painting company that you're paying, uh, you know, three hundred thousand for marketing. Uh, well, that's not going to work either, right? So, the the cost on margin is basically you take um, how much are you like comp- like what's the compensation package for your salespeople? Like, what are you spending in compensation for your salespeople? Plus, what you're what you're spending on marketing, um, and you take that and divide it by your gross profit. And so you you're getting you're getting a percentage of cost on margin. Okay. Um and I'll I'll just say this too, like if anybody listening is interested in some of these, like I have we have like a worksheet that we that we use for all this stuff. I know awesome. there's some math and formulas in here. I'm happy to send this to anybody who who would want to reach out. I'll give you my email and okay. Um
1: you can you can kick that out in, in Perfect. And Yeah. I'll put like the that. email okay. in the description underneath the podcast.
0: Yeah, happy happy to share
1: this stuff. So, just to clarify that and just to say it in clear terms. So, cost on margin is basically out of the um, and it'll be it'll be a percentage. You got okay. it. Yep. So, if you have if you add up the cost of sales and the cost of marketing. So, say over the course of a year, you spend um $100,000 on your sales rep and $100,000 on marketing. And out of that, you end up producing uh, uh, say $2 million. Okay? Yep. So that's 200000 over $2 million, but that's, that's on gross. So if you had that 40% gross margin, so that'd be $2 million. $800,000 of
0: gross profit. Okay.
1: So that'd be a 25% cost on margin. You got it. Yep. Okay. And is that a good ratio or a bad ratio?
0: So I would say, so for us, Um, we, we target 25%. Um, and I think like there's going to be seasons where this is going to fluctuate up and down. Um, for, for instance, a newer sales rep, right. If they have a little bit less experience, their cost, like their close rate might not be quite as high. So they're going to have to get, they're going to need more bids in order to hit a a sales number, right. Right. Um, well, if there's more bids, the company's going to have to spend more money to provide those bids, right? So a new sales rep, uh, their cost on margin might be a little above that, uh, but that's something that we track to say, okay, are we, are we working that down? Same thing with marketing. Like, um, is your marketing very dialed in? Are you kind of spending a lot on marketing because it's not very dialed? You, there's a lot of waste in your marketing spend. Um, and so your marketing dollars are inflated. Well, it's like, all right, we want to track our ROI on our marketing spend so that we can shrink that number, um, to, to a healthy mark as well. So, but 25% is, uh, is what we target in our business model.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: And I think, yeah. And I think for that, right. So like with this, like with, uh, contribution margin, with success ratio, with cost on margin, um, no like it's it's a very mature state that everybody's just flying colors in all these categories so the goal is not to um like the goal is to understand like where i need to focus like Mm -hmm. where should my time and energy be like where am i going to get the most bang for my buck in terms of what am i thinking about for my business what where am i putting my energy right? Because you don't want to, uh, you know, put put energy into something. I mean, for a business owner, that's everything, right? Like you have to be so dialed in, um, you know, with return on investment for your time, because yeah. your time has to go so many places. And that's yeah, one of the biggest challenges. So point. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really what this, this helps. It really gives you a to-do list. of All right, here's some things I got to work on in my business. So yeah, so number four, they're cost on margin.
1: Okay. And uh, last but not least, number five?
0: Yeah, number five is net income. And so this is, this more kind of brings uh, everything together, right? So this is, net income is kind of a summary metric at the end of the day. Uh, they call it, you know, it's the bottom line for for a reason, right? Um, so we, we look at that and I think for us, um, again, this is going to company to company, this is going to look different um, in terms of like, what does an owner want? So I think this is something that's just good to, to consider, right? So I think there, there are some, I don't know, I've heard, I've heard owners say, you know, their, their net income is 40%, 35%, something like that. Um, oftentimes what they're doing is they're factoring in, uh, like maybe they're doing some sales and they're doing some project management. And they might not pay themselves a W-2. They might not pay themselves anything for that work. So then those dollars that, like let's say they got, let's say they got injured, uh, they got sick, and they needed to hire a salesperson, right? Well, their net income is not gonna be 35% anymore uh, if they have to pay a salesperson a hundred grand uh, to go get all that revenue, right? Or a project manager or whatnot. Um, so it kind of depends on uh, as far as like, what is a good number? It kind of depends on what you're trying to pursue. In our case, um, we're looking for stable, passive income and owners that partner with Olive. that's what they're looking for as well. And so what stable passive income means is, um, it's income. I'm not trading my time for, for money. Um, I'm able to, uh, step away from the business. So Jason, Jason doesn't know anything that's going on in Paris painting day to day. Um, And so, but for, for us, generally that percentage is going to be somewhere between 15 to 20% of net income. Um, And so I think that's kind of a healthy mark. Now you might make investment decisions, hire, you know, growing your team, hiring more salespeople, hiring more uh, uh, you know, marketing staff or things like that. You might you might make investments that are going to dip below that four seasons but that 15 to 20 percent mark if you can have a solid team that can really facilitate the work um, that allows the the, the the owner to get into a more leadership position and in a true integrator or visionary type um, that 15 to twenty percent is is a healthy mark.
1: Mm-hmm. okay so if we have so so just in our recap on the five, five items. Um, So if someone wants to come in and work on improving their enterprise value, we have the org chart. So who are the people? Are they quality people? You know, you didn't say it about scorecards, but I imagine you'd have everyone have scorecards and defined responsibilities. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of just a necessity of if your team grows, you got to have, you got to have that stuff. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then the second is your gross profit so having your gross profit at least 40% uh, if you have a production manager but probably higher than that if you if you're just doing it yourself. Yep. Success ratio, close rate targeting 45%. One thing that I found interesting um, that probably most people don't realize is that little things can can make a big impact and something like just becoming better at sales can potentially improve your enterprise value. Oh yeah. That's pretty curious, For you sure. know. <laughs> Um, cool. And then cost on margin. So we just defined that a little bit earlier. I want to find that again. And then finally having a healthy net income. Pretty much got that, right?
0: Yes, sir. You
1: got it. So when you when you have a, a deal come to your desk and you've been a part of, you know, half dozen uh, painting uh, company mergers and acquisitions here, what, which ones of these do you feel people usually struggle with the most
0: um yeah i think that the the biggest struggle and at the end of the day i think what it what it kind of boils down to is that org structure that's that's the most qualitative component and that's the hardest one is to build a team um like if you're like most of the time um if you're an owner and i i always like with jason and chet it's like man i i was always jealous that jason could go to a house and it's like his name was on the company it's like if you're selling as an owner i'm sorry but there's just like a competitive advantage to that if if you're you know a non-owner right um because you you can just speak with such conviction or whatever so but because of that like most you know and i would say you know i talk to a lot of owners um and have these conversations if i were to generalize or or kind of stereotype the the typical owner they're going to skew more to like a sales type of a person um more visionary more sales etc so most of the time like an owner is going to have a phenomenal success ratio um that's not too uncommon but that is very different than like coaching and training um someone else to have an excellent success ratio right so um same thing with contribution margin. It's like, if you are an owner, like there's a certain authority that you bring to whenever you have labor conversations, whenever you, you know, are managing material, um, you know, interacting with the client, et cetera. But if you're a project manager and you're having to do that, uh, like that's just different, like developing a project management team that can do that. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother ball game. So I think that, you know, that board structure, um, that's the hardest piece. Um, yeah. And I think for all like, that's, I, I would argue that's our biggest uh, value proposition is we know how to recruit, train uh, and manage performance on teams. And then we've built a team that can actually help be part of that team. Um, but that that's the hardest part.
1: Mm-hmm. What would be some of the most important things that someone listening here could do now to their business to, to start maximizing their org chart?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I would say take inventory of, I mean, just this is why the EOS is so helpful because it just gives you some simple tools to help put pen to paper, to get this stuff down on, on in front of you, right? So I think so. owners are oftentimes, they're just running around so much. And so like slowing down, taking the time to like, think about these things. Um, And uh, I like, you know, we walk folks through, um, through these different pillars and, you know, we have this sheet uh, that I'll fill out and I'll write the visionary. Okay. That's, you know, the owner, let's just say the owner's name is Joe. It's like, who's the, who's the visionary Joe. Who's the integrator Joe who's the sales and marketing manager, Joe, Joe, (laughs) Joe. And, and, and it's just, it's helpful to see like, wow, my name is everywhere. Um, and so I just think like realizing that, uh, helps you kind of take some steps to think about, okay, I have to make a plan. Um, like if I do what I've always done, I'm going to get what I've always gotten. And so you got to make a plan for, for building that. Um, And then I think the next step is you need, you need systems. Like what that necessitates is you mentioned like scorecards and, and those kinds of things. Like, um, if you're going to grow your team that necessitates a whole lot else, right? So if you're going to have other people do work in your business, you need to have standard operating procedures. You need to have playbooks. You need to have tools, um, so that you can take somebody that maybe they have the right soft skills, the right personality experience that would lend them, you know, towards success in in a given role in your business. Um, But they need guidance. They need help on like actually doing the task. And so, um, you know, starting to do some of that work to, okay, what type of stuff do I do in my, you know, if I'm going to, if like, if I'm going to hire a salesperson, I need to have a sales process. I can't. I can't really have a salesperson without a established written sales process. Um, I can, but then there's not going to be really any real way to, for you know, to track that person's effectiveness. Um, and I think even to employees, uh, you know, if you go to the marketplace and you say, "Hey, come work for me," um, and somebody's coming to work for you and they don't have a job description. They don't have, you know, a a process to follow. There's not really clear metrics. Like there's not really clear data so they can track whether or not they're being successful. Just show up, Um,
1: up meet you on site, you know, 830 on Monday and let's go paint a project together.
0: Yeah. It's just not very motivating. um, I think as an employee as well, right. Employees want to go to places where, they can see their progress. They, they can get better at things, they can be successful and then they can, there's real data that, that, that validates and makes that success objective. Right? So I think looking at, you know, what, what's your data situation in your company? Um, are you tracking all these metrics? Um, and then, you know, how, how do you measure success in, in these roles? I think that's something to really work on like mm-hmm. yesterday
1: yeah <laughs> yeah hundred percent and if if you haven't if people haven't read it already I'd highly recommend traction uh by Gina mm-hmm. Wickman that's uh incredible incredible book for anyone wanting to get started on how to implement you know org charts and setting operating procedures and and everything like that yeah absolutely so um how i want to uh what i want to do here before the end is uh, give you a hypothetical situation of a uh, current client okay. of mine. It's actually a real situation, but we'll pretend it's yeah. hypothetical. So um, yep. my friend has a painting company. He or client, he's had a, his painting company for about 20 years. Um, he has had a production manager sometimes. He does all of his own sales, he typically does, I think, between six and seven hundred thousand a year. He wants to sell his business one day. So yeah. So number one, how can he, you know, in the short term, maximize his enterprise value, and then how do you, how do you identify a like a, a broker or a seller or buyer rather, and then how do you assess your offer? I know that's a huge, you know, super packed question, but we'll break that down one by one.
0: Yeah. Um, so, and I'm sure you're going to do a little editing, editing here, um, potentially. So just that that that's something of I'll just, I'll just maybe say at the start that that is a a tough position to be in. So I'll just be honest with you. Um, And and I think that's why looking at this stuff early and often um, is so crucial Um, because I think, um, you know, there's a book that's awesome. We love it. Um, Good to great. And within that book, there is uh, you know, Jim Collins, identifies the Stockdale paradox and the Stockdale paradox uh, is this concept where, you know, uh, good to great businesses embrace the Stockdale paradox, which has two elements to it. One unwavering faith that they will be successful in their endeavor. So they believe that they're going to be successful. They're going to accomplish their goals. Um, But at the same time, they are uh, unflinching and embracing the, hard and brutal facts of their current reality right so their their faith for the for future success does not make them naive to the realities of their current shortcomings and the things that they need to really work on and uh you know their honest assessment of where they are today they don't let that discourage them uh at the the potential for their success in the future right so i think that like there's an element of um with owners sometimes like it is like owners just i think typically think their company is worth more than it is um i think that's something that a lot if you talk to a lot of business brokers um they would probably tell you ad nauseum uh that their conversations typically you know the the price starts here and then it starts to work itself down right and, um and to degree I'm not trying to like an owner you shouldn't be an owner if you don't think that your company's great if you don't think it's it's valuable right so that's comes with the territory but I think don't be like understand what truly drives value in your business um, and, and from a data standpoint and look at that um, so I think you know if somebody is at the uh, you know the point where they're trying to, to sell their business um, And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. If they're, you know, a little bit under a million dollars I do think that there is something about scaling before you sell that can be very advantageous because I think you just got to look at what am I like an honest answer to the question of like, what am I, what do I have to offer to a buyer? Like what do they get out of purchasing my business? Right. And if they just get a bunch of work to do, um, that's going to be far less appealing, right? So, um, and and like a brand, like the phone just doesn't ri- you know ring magically, right? So the the more, but scale helps you in that um, scale a lot. It opens up opportunities where you can start to diversify your marketing strategies. You can start to um, grow your team and start to diversify the work within the business, right? So then what that does is that that you know flags to a buyer like hey there's like a system in a machine here um that is productive now it takes leadership it takes management it takes work um but there's there's some mechanism that is really uh in place here that um you know a buyer can get into that situation and then they can start to optimize right so maybe you know they see different opportunities um But I think to the degree, like, you're just going to limit your buyer pool or your investor pool or whatever um, towards somebody who, you know, uh, wants to, you know, is either already running a painting company or um, that's all they want to do. It's going to be harder if they're going to have to come in, build everything, do everything.
1: So essentially you want to really at the point, in which your company is worth something is when your company no longer, I mean, doesn't necessarily not need you, but you're not doing everything. You have either a production manager or sales rep. You have, you know, systems for bookkeeping, for marketing, for sales, and for production. You have responsible teams. You have healthy margins, healthy numbers, sales and marketing machine that that will keep kind of going, even if you got hit by a turkey truck. Um, and that, and then, and really only then is your business worth something to an investor.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I'll be like painting companies sell all the time. So it's like, you, you know, you'll find a buyer. Um, but it's like, you just, you're going to limit and you just might get yourself into a situation where, yeah, you're, you're going to have to lower your price. Like it's, it, it can just be tough. Right. And again, I think thinking of, do you have a, um, again, referencing a bunch of books here, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, so the rich cash dad, flow dad. quadrant, rich dad, poor dad. So the cash, flow quadrant, the sequel to rich dad, poor dad, you know, he talks about these various quadrants that people can operate in. Um, one of them being, you know, or there's really a chasm uh, between two categories or between four, but two are on either side. And one is an employee, or being self-employed, uh, the other side is being a business owner and being an investor, and the difference between those those categories is: Are you trading your time for money, or is your system, uh, your your process, your people outside of you, outside of your direct time, uh, what is actually earning income for you? Right. So, if somebody again, if somebody's doing all the sales, they're doing all the production. Heck, maybe they're painting uh, here and there that like their income is directly tied to the number of hours that they put in the business. Mm -hmm. If their hours go down, their income goes down. If their hours go up, their income goes up. Right. So to the degree that your business has that kind of correlation um, there's intrinsically less value in it because there's less value that can be transferred to somebody else. Right. But if it is your system that is actually making uh, the income, if it's your team that's actually making the income and then you can scale your team, you can scale your systems to create more income. Well, now you have something that it holds value outside of you as a human, and that can transfer to a lot of different people. Um, and so it just creates more opportunities uh, for you as, as an owner um, you know, to get more passive, if you know, hanging on to that business is... Uh, is what you want, or if you want to sell.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Crazy that it's funny. I think what happens often and um, I'll be mindful of your time here, but what happens often, I think is that when people finally put in the effort to get their business into a sellable state, they fall back in love with their business and realize that it doesn't have to be such a grind.
0: Well, and honestly, I, I think that's, that's part of the, I think the reason for our strategy is like, um, I mean yeah if you if you can build these things um and and there's no uh there's no shortcuts um there's nothing but like work uh and showing up every day and consistency um but like the trades and painting in particular you know we firmly believe like it's a wonderful industry that rewards um good hard smart work um Mm. and over time you can build a, a great business that that yeah it can spit off great cash uh for shareholders and you don't have to mess with uh you know going through a trans a big transaction and you're kind of banking on this transaction um it's like oh maybe you can get passive in the business hold on to that equity um yeah. now a cash and, flow
1: cash flow king for years to come
0: yeah pull pull a jason paris you know
1: awesome well yeah. Hogan, thank you so much man um I uh had I learned a ton today. I hope everyone else did. My favorite thing is what do I have to offer a buyer? That's so so eye opening just that one sentence. But uh what is your email address if anyone wants to get that worksheet from you?
0: Yeah, so it's hoken, my first name, h a a k o n at olif a l e p h uh com.
1: Cool. I will put it in the description and then I'll get that worksheet thank you so much for being with me, man. Um, stoked to chat again. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think you've given a lot of people some information on what they need to do to potentially have a sale one day. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's my, it's my full-time job to talk about this stuff and have these conversations, whether, whether somebody's interested in, in uh, Olive as a strategic option to, you know, achieve success in some of these categories or not. Um, I talk about this stuff all day, every day. So if anybody is interested, reach out. Uh, like I said, I'm also happy to send this worksheet that we use to to look at that stuff. Just kick me an email and I'll get that over to anybody who asks.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Hoken. Have a good one, man. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.